This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine and More. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Hi, this is Jill from the Chicago suburbs, and I just got cleared by my doctor to start talking again after two weeks of complete vocal rest following surgery. This podcast was recorded at 1.09 p.m. on Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Things may have changed by the time you hear this, but hopefully my friends and family are relieved that they no longer have to guess what I'm trying to say <laughs> as I acted things out. And hopefully my voice is getting stronger and stronger. Okay, here's the show. <laughs> oh my gosh, speedy recovery to you. Stronger and stronger. That's wild. I can't imagine anyone in radio not talking for two weeks. <laughs> hey there, it's the NPR Politics Podcast. I'm Deepa Shivaram. I cover the White House. And I'm Ron Elving, editor-correspondent. And Nareet Eisenman, NPR's global health correspondent, is here with us today. Hey, Nareet. Hello. So after last night, I don't think it's going to be a giant shock to anyone when I say that the legislative branch of the U.S. government isn't exactly working right now. Republicans in the House can't unite on their own leadership or policy, for that matter. And in addition to ousting a speaker, failing to pass a budget, this also means that things that have long been matters of political consensus, where people magically agree, they aren't really getting passed either. One of the things that's sort of getting into the fray of all of this is PEPFAR. Nareet, for folks who might not be familiar, let's start with the basics. What is PEPFAR? Okay. Uh, It was started in 2003 by then-President George W. Bush during a truly epic global AIDS crisis globally. In Africa in particular, they were seeing just record high number of deaths, about 3 million deaths per year. And over the last two decades since it was founded, the U.S. has spent about $110 billion directed to PEPFAR for prevention and AIDS treatments. And so what kinds of initiatives does PEPFAR fund in terms of medication distribution, things like education? What are we looking at here? It's a huge program and it's the gamut, but, you know, it's all kinds of efforts to look at prevention, you know, all the steps that people can take to have, you know, safe sex, to avoid encounters that are unsafe, to empower women, and then medication, get people on AIDS drugs. You know, back when PEPFAR was started, AIDS drugs were available in wealthy countries, but basically out of reach uh, beyond wealthy countries. And there's just been a huge revolution in access and just literally life-saving medications for people to stay alive on. Okay. So major program here. What kind of impact has PEPFAR had? It's widely seen as one of the most successful U.S. assistance programs in history. I report saving 25 million lives globally. And it's also a rare example of a program that all sides of the political spectrum had seemed to love. Evangelicals, global health advocates, Republicans, Democrats. That's until now. So, Ron, this is in part a disagreement between Republicans in the House and Republicans in the Senate over what abortion rules to tie into this PEPFAR program. But it's also true that there are some big ideological disagreements going on right now in the Republican Party about how much the U.S. should be entangled with the rest of the world. To begin with the entanglement issue, the United States is and has been the linchpin of many international agreements. And certainly it has been the bedrock for the support of Ukraine since its invasion by Russia. That money uh, does not continue to flow 
under the budget arrangement that was just enacted by the House this past weekend. Now, we expect that to change. We expect the House to take up that issue separately. We expect the Senate to take up that issue separately. But the two chambers left it out of the big compromise that uh, kept the government open this past weekend. Uh, That was quite notable that Ukraine, of all things, which you would think would be on that list of consensus points for the two parties, at least for most members of both parties, Ukraine was a important element that could keep the entire government shut. Uh, That's surprising to a lot of folks, but that is the nature of, as you say, the new schism in the Republican Party, which is really kind of an old schism in the party. It goes back before World War II, and it was called isolationism, or at the time, America first. And we've heard that phrase, America first, a great deal lately. It was more or less part of Donald Trump's program when he ran in 2016. And it is part of the Make America Great Again agenda. So it's part of our era. And um, since uh, obviously Donald Trump is still the more or less leader of the Republican Party, it shouldn't be too surprising that they are suspicious of foreign entanglements. Yeah. And, you know, with PEPFAR, it's interesting. This whole kind of issue really first arose under President Trump when he came into office. Like previous Republican presidents, he, through executive action, imposed this policy on uh, on certain foreign aid spending programs, this anti-abortion language. And he was the first Republican president to actually apply it to PEPFAR. Then when President Biden came into office, he rescinded that policy. And now what this group of Republicans is working to do is to make it a, a matter of law. And they are, you know, being encouraged by some some of the major anti-abortion groups out there that have, you know, in fact, even said to me, some of them, that uh, they're going to include, you know, in their scoring of uh, lawmakers' um, anti-abortion bona fides, you know, how they vote on this particular issue when it comes to PEPFAR. Nareet, just to be clear here, are any PEPFAR funds used to fund abortions anywhere in the world? No. And that's because it's illegal for U.S. government funds to go to foreign aid groups that would use it directly to provide abortions. But Nareet, is this an argument here that, you know, these kinds of America first arguments that some conservatives are making, is that also an argument being used against PEPFAR per se? How is that really playing out here specifically? Yeah. So interestingly, PEPFAR still does remain, uh, you know, a rare example of a program where you're not hearing so much complaints about the funding per se and about the involvement overseas per se, but rather you are seeing a willingness to, you know, maybe put it kind of in the sights in order to extract concessions on the abortion issue uh, when it comes to PEPFAR. So, so for PEPFAR, it's more about abortion. And specifically, some Republicans are trying to stop PEPFAR aid from going to partner organizations, foreign aid groups that PEPFAR partners with, that with their own non-U.S. government funding, provide abortions or uh, information abor- about abortions or advocate you know, for pro-abortion policies. I should say U.S. law already already prohibits U.S. tax dollars from directly funding any of those activities by foreign aid groups. Nareet, if these anti-abortion Republicans who are trying to kind of mess with PEPFAR here get their way, how will that impact the aid that's going out? 
they say, look, this language was introduced, you know, imposed rather by uh, President Trump, and they said PEPFAR continued. Then when I speak to global health advocates who really, you know, are arguing for keeping PEPFAR in its current state, they say, yeah, but that was pretty short-lived. And long-term, there just aren't, you know, enough partners on the ground for PEPFAR to work with, foreign aid groups that PEPFAR partners with, in order for it to continue to deliver all the services, the prevention work, the drugs, you know, just all of the -the on-the-ground work that PEPFAR funds, if it had to essentially sever ties with too many of these partners that may, again, with their own funding, their own non-U.S. sources of funding, do activities around abortion that that would be barred. They think that it would, you know, ultimately really impact PEPFAR's effectiveness. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a second. This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine and More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet or a new single barrel bourbon to try with some help from one of their friendly guides. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine and More. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. B21. This message comes from NPR sponsor Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit TeladocHealth.com slash What's Your Why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C Health slash What's Your Why. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Spend time in any American city, and you'll likely encounter someone with untreated psychosis. Lost Patients is a new podcast examining our maze-like system for treating severe mental illness, which loses patients to an endless loop between the streets, jail, and hospitals. Does it have to be this way? For the history, the reality, and hopefully some solutions, listen to Lost Patients from KUOW and the Seattle Times, part of the NPR Network. And we're back. Ron, I want to bring you in here because this program, PEPFAR, is one of the things that people see as part of President George W. Bush's legacy, uh, something that they really do remember him for and applauded him for at the time, right? That's right. And, you know, perhaps he's better known for Iraq and and the uh, 2008 Wall Street meltdown and mortgage crisis and so forth. But he is well-remembered across the aisle by many because of his willingness to essentially relaxed some of his usual loyalty to the anti-abortion movement and proceed with, with this program and try to keep this funding going and make an exception for it. Now, this was in its day part of what he featured in his first term in particular as compassionate conservatism. Now, that's a phrase you don't hear very much anymore. Uh, obviously, the styles have changed and Donald Trump's style is quite different. But George W. Bush uh, reached out for Democratic votes in 2000, to some degree later elections as well, as a compassionate conservative. And this was an opportunity for him to actually you know, put some policy behind that claim. What's interesting is that both sides are presenting letters uh, from religious groups, uh, faith-based groups. And you're seeing 
some faith-based groups that are still in that George W. Bush mold, still coming out strongly for leaving PEPFAR untouched, and then others that are really focusing on the anti-abortion angle of this. It's hard to argue with a figure like 25 million lives saved. And it's, it's also hard to judge what you do for people in other countries who may never realize where the good is coming from, that is to say, where the funding is coming from for these drugs, uh, against the very real and present convictions of people in the anti-abortion movement who feel that this and many other programs of outreach have been gamed by people who want to fund abortion as well as AIDS drugs, and that they have figured out ways around the restrictions, and so on. And th- this is not the only program of which that would be true, but they have uh, they they have a certain grievance in in their own minds about that having happened, and so some of the animosity from other parts of the conflict between abortion rights advocates and the opposite spills over into this controversy as well. And someone's going to have to try to clean that up. Someone's going to have to try to resolve that if uh, PEPFAR is going to go forward fully funded. It's really striking uh, when I talk to uh, the anti-abortion groups, just the level of distrust of the Biden administration on this issue that they voice. Just a sense that like, okay, even if they don't use abortion language in their documents, you know, words like sexual and reproductive health, that's got to be code for abortion. They're promoting abortion. Um, And it's also raised a really interesting discussion around fungibility. Basically, they voice a concern that, look, sure, technically, U.S. taxpayer dollars do not go towards funding abortion by foreign aid groups. That's illegal. But they say if you give money to them, you know, for another purpose, those groups, that frees up money for them. Money is fungible. That frees up their money, you know, to be used for abortion uh, provision. Um, they're non-U.S. money. But then those who are opposed to this, these changes say, well, that's a slippery slope argument because, you know, there's plenty of groups that PEPFAR partners with and, and other U.S. Uh, government programs partner with that are faith-based, that do activities like promoting their faith, that U.S. law does not allow U.S. dollars uh, to be used for funding directly. And so you could argue that the money's fungible there too. So, you know, that argument can sort of cut both ways and it might, might open a whole can of worms of discussion around this fungibility question. Yeah, just the more you kind of open that can, it just keeps getting a little bit more complicated. And it speaks to how you know, this anti-abortion narrative in the United States and and argument that a lot of folks are making um, isn't really just isolated to that one issue, right? It really, really can go beyond that. Nareet, just looking ahead here, what are some of the long-term consequences if the U.S. does step away from its role here with PEPFAR? I really want to stress that this is, you know, not something that seems to be imminent, you know, when I talk to people who are really counting the votes, right? Um, The support still seems to be pretty strong for PEPFAR funding uh, across Congress overall. Um, And there isn't necessarily an expectation that this is going to result in a defunding anytime soon. But just the mere fact that this program that had been seen as effectively bulletproof, you know, from Washington's political wars is being ensnared even temporarily potentially uh, in this kind of fight makes people wonder whether the support will begin to erode long term. And um, and sure, you know, if the U.S. turned away from this, it would be a, a massive departure uh, from a program that, again, is just seen as one of the, the biggest successes uh, in U.S. foreign policy and aid. 
Yeah, and can't emphasize enough something that really everyone agreed on at a time and came together on too. Yeah, yeah, really one more bellwether for the fractious times that, that we seem to find ourselves in. Truly. All right, Nareet Eisenman, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I'm Deepa Shivaram. I cover the White House. I'm Ron Elving, editor correspondent. And thank you for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast. This is my voice. It can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on the Black experience. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.